Welcome to the Million Dollar Listening Podcast. In this show, we aim to help people grow in all areas of life with the focus of getting to the next level. I'm your host, Mari Wines, realtor, marketing guru, real estate coach, and co-owner of E3 Realty. Broker of record and CFO of E3 Realty, Ryan Evanson. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's about damn time. I know. I've been waiting to make my debut. I know. Everyone needs to see the silver fox for themselves. <laughs> Not the first time, ladies. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so Ryan's our broker of record, which carries a huge responsibility. And then he's also our CFO, so manages all our finances. Book scared the shit out of me this morning by telling me, I messed up my budget, but it wasn't. Yeah. Sometimes we need to be uh, oh scared gosh. shitless a little bit. It's all good. I thought I did something really bad. No, you're fine. <laughs> but anyway, I'm so happy you're here. We're going to talk about a topic that everybody in the world talks about and everyone's uncle talks about to them and everyone's best friend, sister's dog right. knows about this topic, but let's actually shine some light on what's happening. Yeah. So the market has recently shifted. Whoa, the market shifted. <laughs> It was to me. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts about that shift? Uh, you know, there's always a shift, right? We're either shifting left, we're shifting right, we're shifting up, we're shifting down. Uh, change is like the only constant. And uh, I think it's a good thing. We needed to reset. And every time we reset, we kind of enter into like a new normal. So there's a shock period at first where everybody's like, oh, wow, this is different. And then behaviors change and mentalities change, perception changes, fear kind of sets in. But at one point, we kind of catch stride and it becomes like, okay, this is just how it is. And I, I really feel like we're kind of setting into that now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a few months, but, you know, it's, it's kind of the new normal. Yeah. Right? No, definitely. Yeah. We're having to do things the way that we did them pre-COVID. Yeah, it hasn't been that long, right? I mean, pre-COVID and COVID was just kind of like a weird time anyways, you know, but pre-COVID is kind of where we're at now in terms of rates and, you know, not market prices, but in terms of how the market behaves mm -hmm. and, you know, putting a house on the market and, you know, how long does it take to sell and inventory levels and things like that. We're kind of right where we were pre-COVID. So it's not foreign. We just had a crazy two years yeah, whenever everyone's like, I cannot believe the interest rates are this high. I'm like, what do you mean? Right. We just got super lucky over the last two years. Prior to that, these would have still been low. Yeah. it. Uh, I mean, I've been doing this since 2003. And I remember sitting in our call room as a loan officer making outbound calls to people. And we were refinancing people out of their 7, 8, 9% rates. And they were thrilled with 55 to 6% rates. So we've been very spoiled over the last few years. And, uh, you know, we're just kind of normal now. Five and a half is a really great rate. It really is. So do you think there's anything else that's contributing to the shift that we're seeing outside of the fact that interest rates crept up a little? Uh, yeah, I mean, you've got uh, COVID. Like I said, COVID was this weird time where you you had a perfect storm of things happening. You had people sitting in their house feeling like the walls were caving in on themselves. There wasn't enough space. They were sitting there thinking, I need space. I need a yard. I need a pool. I'm dreaming. We can make this happen. We can work from our house now. We can move into this area that we couldn't before because we had to commute in. And so you combine that with 
record low interest rates and nothing else to do. It's not like you could go on a vacation and go places. It was like, okay, if we're going to do something, now is the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So I record think... low inventory also. Yeah. So it's just, it's one of those things where COVID was a very, very unique market situation. And uh, so... Here we are two years later and, you know, interest rates are a little bit higher. People are going back to work. We're settling in and out of COVID. Uh, So I think this is just kind of like that normal market. And outside of, um, you know, the the agent experience, which I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, I think the the shift is just kind of resetting our own expectations as sellers and as buyers, you know, and and that's that's not hard to do because it wasn't too long ago that you know we kind of came came out of this or came into kind of a new market so i don't blame people for being fearful so easily because we did just go through a global pandemic and things have been a little scary um, just in every way but people are scared that this shift means that the market is going to crash right so what do you think about that and then how does this shift and everything we're going through in the world and the industry compared to how things were in 2008, which is what everyone is constantly referring to. Right. No, everybody is scared out of their mind. And that's the first thing they say. When is it going to crash? In fact, I was just meeting with some clients today and that was their question. Hey, we want to time this thing. We don't want to leave money on the table. When is the right time? And they're not the only ones. Everybody's asking the same thing. So I was there. Like I said, I started in 2003. So I had a good three, four, five year run up to 2008 when the market literally crashed and things are vastly different. Uh, If you were trying to buy a house in 2003 to 2008 and you had a heartbeat, you got a loan. You didn't have to have a down payment. You didn't have to have credit. You didn't have to have a job, right? You could literally walk into a bank and say, I want to buy a $900,000 house and can I? And the answer would be yes. Like almost that simple. You'd fill out an application. They'd ask you where you work. You'd say, I'm a janitor. And they'd say, that's not good enough. Can you try again? They'd say, I'm an insurance salesman. They're like, okay, that's better. How much do you make? 10 grand? Move it up. It was terrible, but that's literally what happened. So what the consequence was, is people were able to buy houses with no skin in the game. They had zero down payment. And when the market stopped going up as crazy as it was, then panic kind of set in. And those people who had nothing to lose decided to walk away from their house because they couldn't afford it, right? The only reason why they're doing is because they thought they could refinance or sell and make some money. The second that prospect was gone, they were gone too. And they had nothing tying them to their house, keeping them there. And uh, and that's equity, right? Like you're not going to walk away from money. So when... When that all went down, you know, you just had a massive amount of inventory that that shot up overnight. And that's really the basis of everything that we're talking about with our clients. It's all about supply and demand. If you've got no supply and all kinds of demand, you're going to see prices go up. The opposite, you're going to see prices go down. So that was the case in 2008. You had all this inventory and absolutely no demand. So the bottom fell out. Very different. Clients who are, or people that are buying houses these days, they have a down payment, they have good credit, they have good jobs, they're actually qualified to purchase homes that they're purchasing. And with the amount of equity that they have, there's so much tying them to their house. The only reason why they're selling is because they either have to, job relocation, family circumstance, something like that, 
where they want to. They're either moving up or they're moving down. It's a choice. 2008, it was less of a choice. It was more of a strategic move to get out of a bad asset. And that's completely different now. And then there have been a ton of laws and guidelines put into place for lenders so that people can no longer just give anybody a loan. So when I say they're actually qualified, it's because of all of those things you just said. Lenders are, you know, we scrutinize everything that we do on the loan side. We have to make sure that, you know, our clients are who they say they are. They make the money they say they make. And uh, and they have the money from legitimate sources to support their down payment. So it's cleaned up a lot, both on the lending side, on the appraisal side. They've done a lot to make sure that there's safeguards in place so that there isn't a crash. And uh, and to answer your original question, I don't think there's going to be a crash here. It's a reset, right? It's a reset. And the main things that are in play, you know, locally, hyper-locally, Across the states, it's all about supply and demand. So as far as like California, Bay Area is concerned, you know, we see a little bit more inventory now than we did, but there's still so much more demand than there is supply. And so honestly, we still expect to see prices over the, the short and the long term to go up. They're not going to go up crazy, right? We're not talking about 10, 20, 30% per year, but you know, a couple percent to 5% over these next few years is probably what we'll expect to see. Right. And I know a lot of people are seeing price drops right now, so they think they're going to keep dropping. But the reality is those prices that they're dropping to are still super high. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're crazy high prices. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things, too. Like every agent, every seller has a different pricing strategy, you know, and I'm sure our clients, you know, you see this as buyers in the market, even if you're just casually looking and not even shopping. You see a listing pop up and you're like, oh, those people are out of their damn mind. There's no way they're ever going to get that house sold at that price. And that happens all the time, you know, and it could be deliberate. It could be, hey, I just want to test the market and see what we can get. Sometimes it's, no, I legitimately think we can get that and, you know, prove me wrong. So, you know, sometimes the reactions that you get in terms of price reductions aren't, hey, it's not a falling market. It's not a market that's dropping. It's just you're seeing some of these things and uh, and there could be a lot of reasons for it. But yeah, I think we got a little ambitious with our pricing strategies. We were spoiled as sellers, uh, spoiled as agents, where you could literally put a house on the market two, three days, get 10, 15, 20 offers, all super competitive, and, uh, and it drives those prices up. So the strategy to price your home as an agent and as a seller had little consequence because the market was so strong it could save really anything. Yeah. A little bit different now, yeah. right? So some of those price reductions, I think, is, you know, people reassessing and coming up with a different strategy. And, uh, you know, the market speaks to you. You know, it's as a seller, you don't set your price. As a listing agent, you don't set your price and just say, okay, this is the price and the buyer's going to pay this. The buyer really sets the price. And, yeah. uh, you know, just because you want a million bucks doesn't mean you're going to get it. You can't force somebody to pay you. Yeah, it's really what the buyer is willing to pay right. is the price you're going to get. Yeah. And we do have all these past very high comparable properties because of how the market was. And so I think I was just telling you earlier today that my client, his house appraised, he went to refi and appraised at 800000 And he said, if this is the case, I'm going to sell it. And I'm like, no, the buyers are not willing to pay that now. Right. Here's what the buyers are willing to pay. But it's a really confusing conversation to have when mm-hmm. they see it right there on paper that that's how much their house is worth. Right. Yeah, no, it's, and it works the other way around too, you know, I mean, just six, seven months ago, it wasn't uncommon to be in contract for a house at a particular price and get your appraisal 
and it be less. Yes. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just one of those things. And I think the important thing for people is, you know, those appraisals are an opinion of value for that particular day based on those particular comps in a very brief window of time. And things change quick. Mm-hmm. And so just because you have a price on paper doesn't mean anything. It's kind of like stocks. Yeah. You know, you could check your stocks today and say, oh, I've got a million dollars in the stock market. And tomorrow it could be a million too. And the next day it could be 900 Until you sell it, doesn't mean anything. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So do you think that it is a good time to buy right now or should people wait? I don't think, well, let me put it this way. We just had the same conversation today. If, and I always say this, whether you're a buyer or you're a seller, right? If it's the right time for you to make that decision for you, your family, for your financial situation, whatever it is, then it's the right time. Trying to time a market is incredibly difficult to do. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, and nobody has a crystal ball. So, you know, you try to listen to, you know, economists, people that are smarter than you. You try to do the best that you can with the information that you have. But the reality is, is that if it's the right time for you to buy a house, then you should buy the house. You should know what that means. You should know the pros and the cons, and you should have all of the data, and you should work with a professional to help guide you through that process. But if it's the right time for you and somebody says it's the wrong time in the market, I have some issues with that because, you know, what is the market? You know, is the market short, long? Are we talking about the next year, the next three years, the next 10 years? Unless you're flipping, unless you're buying and you're like speculating like, hey, I'm going to buy this house today. I'm going to live in it for a year. I'm going to sell after 12 months. I'm going to make crazy money and I'm going to level up and I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. If you're trying to do that, then I think you should be cautious, right? Because you're really trying to time the market for gain in those situations. But if you're buying your house, whether it's, hey, this is my starter house or this is my forever home, if it's right for you, who cares what the market's doing? Honestly, that's how I feel. Yeah, and if you have a good realtor, they will be paying attention to that game for you no matter what your agenda is because I, for me personally, I'm always constantly like, are they going to make money on this? Because if I have to sell it in a right. couple of years, I want to be successful. Yeah. And so I'm very straightforward with them about what I think, how much equity they'll gain or lose or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's always a matter of how long are you going to stay in the house? That's really what it comes down to. You know, I've gone through a few different, well, not a few, but I've been through the cycle, right? Where we went through the crazy highs and then the crazy lows and then this steady increase up to COVID, and then all of a sudden we went to crazy highs again, and now we're starting to level out. So I've always been really conservative with what I tell people in terms of if you buy today and you had to sell in a year or in two years, this is what I think. I've always been really careful there because I've been burned with that, right? You've seen the change, but at the same time, I always fall back on like, look, if it's right for you now and something happens that you can't control and it's not a this is the game plan i'm walking into this purchase knowing that i'm going to sell or have to sell in a year as long as it's not that then life happens and we just kind of you know have to deal with things as they come up but for most people it's not that it's not a i'm buying this i know i'm going to sell in 12 months it's more of a like i'm going to buy it it's my starter house or a new couple, or, you know, whatever the case may be, if and when that time comes where we grow out of this house, or I get another job, and I have to re- we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I've never regretted buying a house. 
over the long haul, I mean, I know we've got all kinds of slides and we talk about it all the time, but you know, my grandparents bought their house for like $7,000. That's crazy. My parents bought their house for $100,000, right? Like it goes up over time. There's little pockets like with anything, you know, but over time it goes up. And uh, I, I think you have a hard time going wrong with real estate as long as you have a short to long-term approach or mindset. One of a buyer's agenda is to come up or make money, then they really should be looking at something that is where the mortgage isn't going to eat up their whole paycheck or a condo. So it's an investment property. If you're looking for something that's an investment, but you also want to live in it and it to be your dream home, that usually doesn't go. Sometimes it goes hand in hand. But if that's their agenda, I really think there's ways to do that in any market. Yeah, no, there absolutely is. There's different investment strategies. You know, like you said, you you may say, look, I know I'm going to buy this house and I'm going to live in it at first and then I'm going to rent it out. And that could be a part of the plan. And there's all kinds of calculations and things that we take into consideration to make sure that's a wise investment. Right. Mm -hmm. But for most people, when they buy their house, yes, it is an investment, but it's also a need like you have to have housing. Yeah. Right. You're either going to rent, you're going to stay rent free somewhere or you're going to buy a house. Like those are really the only three options outside of a living homeless, of course. But, you know, I mean, with that being said, it's kind of like, all right, you know, if you have to buy, if you have to live somewhere, do you want to pay somebody else's mortgage or do you want to pay your own mortgage? Yeah. Pretty simple. And your mortgage is always going to stay the same. It's not going to increase where your rent can be increased. Yeah. I think we saw some stats today that rent increases are Yeah, I think pretty I, incredible. Yeah. I think I actually have it. <laughs> do you really? Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, rental costs rose 0.8% in June. It's the largest monthly increase since April of 1986. That's crazy. And that's crazy. That's crazy. And I have friends who, you know, a lot of people moved to Texas because of the, well, moved everywhere because of the lower prices. And my friend's rent got increased by $1,200. That's like, insane. He's like, I might as well move back. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of the best arguments you can have to, to actually buying a house and getting a fixed rate mortgage. Yeah. You know, you know exactly what you need to budget for. And your fate is not in somebody else's hands. Like yeah, no. it's, it's okay to rent, right? It's a means to an end. And for some people, that's how they choose to, to you know, th tackle their housing issues. But for me, I never want to be at the mercy of a landlord who has to sell, wants to sell. I'll be displaced. What does that mean for me? Like, What do you have at the end of it? You don't have You don't anything. even get your deposit back most of the time. No. So you made negative money. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, the opposite. Everybody's worried about five and a half percent interest rates. Like, okay, what's the interest rate on rent? hundred percent. thousand percent, million percent. <laughs> like, how do you even quantify it? Like, you don't get anything. You walk away with nothing guaranteed. Well, and I think a lot of people are fearful because of inflation and they think that I'm not going to buy because of inflation. But really the three main things that are affected by inflation are food, energy, and rent. Yeah. So it's like if you're, if inflation's a concern to you, your rent is what's at risk. If you buy a house, that's actually not. Right. And, and honestly, I mean, housing prices go up with inflation typically. You know, I mean, the feds raise their rates to combat inflation. I think, honestly, I think, and I know you actually have it on the card. There is a sweet spot right now mm -hmm. for buyers. And yes, the rates are a little bit higher now than they were maybe three or four months ago. That is a given. You have less purchase power now. That is a given. That's okay. Housing prices, we still expect to go up. Inflation is crazy right now. We all know that. Uh, the cost of everything is up. The cost to build that house, the cost to improve that house, the cost to sell that house, the cost of everything has increased. So the, the housing prices are going to go up as well. I think the sweet spot in a few different senses is 
the way the market is behaving right now, the competition levels are certainly a little bit lower. So instead of having 20 people trying to buy the same house, you may have a couple and it may take a little bit more time. So the sellers are a little bit more agreeable to working with buyers, right? Instead of saying, I want cash, I want fast, and I want everything. As is. As is, right? They're like, okay, you're a normal buyer, and now I'm a normal seller, and now my needs and my my wants are more normal too. So how long do you need to close escrow? 30 days? Cool, we can do that. Oh, you need closing cost credits. You need a little help. Cool, that works too. Oh, your particular loan is a down payment assistance loan no big deal. We can wait an extra five days. So there's an opportunity for buyers who were trying to buy and unsuccessful over the last year or two because competition was so tight or so crazy to get in now with less competition with possibly more favorable terms. And I forgot what I was going to say. There was something on the end of that. Oh, interest rates, right? We know those have gone up largely because we're trying to combat inflation. Once inflation is kind of under control, you'd expect rates to possibly decrease over time. So now's an opportunity for buyers to find their house, buy that house, secure that house with financing, set their budget, and then possibly float down over time. If interest rates decrease, they can always refinance into a lower mortgage later. So, And you'll be able to speak to this better than I can, but I think there's an, an exceptionally amazing sweet spot for buyers right now because we still do have those extremely outrageous high prices. That's two. <laughs> <laughs> those extremely outrageous high prices to where the house is going to appraise. Like I just mentioned that my client, his appraisal came in at 800, but buyers only willing to pay 730. That's a lot of money to work with. And right. so I think right now, and it's going to go away because appraisers can usually only look at comps six months back. So each month that goes by right now, we're passing. But you can ask the seller for a credit. You can increase your purchase price, ask the seller for a credit and buy down your interest rate. Yeah. And so you'll be able to speak to that. But one of the things you can do anytime that you're taking out a loan on a house is the lender gives you options to lower your interest rate and it costs money. So mm -hmm. right now we can ask the seller for that, but we're still giving them the money. So it's a win-win on both sides and right. that's going to go away. And that's going to be sad when that goes away. Yeah. Just no. like another little shift. <laughs> Always shifting, right? <laughs> Always shifting. I think there's a few points there. Um, the appraisal is a big one, right? And we talk about as a buyer having to be super crazy competitive, removing all of your contingencies. So you like, you may need a loan, but if there's no guarantee that you have a loan. Oh, well, seller expects for you to close escrow regardless. The property contract price might be 700,000, but it appraises for 600. Oh, well, seller expects you to pay the difference, right? So as a buyer, if you were in this market buying six months ago, the expectations were way different than they are now. So yeah, you know, it's not uncommon uh, now to write an offer, have an appraisal contingency, have a loan contingency, be afforded time to put all of those things together, do your due diligence, get your inspections, negotiate as a buyer, and, and really make sure that you're comfortable with the deal as opposed to walking in saying, Whatever. Hope I did the right thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, I hope I did well. I hope you don't screw me over too bad. I just want the house. So it's great for buyers now because you can actually walk into, you know, this decision feeling good because you have the time to kind of walk through that or, or go through that. And then, you know, in terms of interest rates, yes, lenders will always give you, at least they should always give you options for your rate. You know, there's a par rate where they say, look, at this rate, you don't owe any extra money to lock in this rate. 
or you could take a lower rate and pay a little extra, or you could take a higher rate and you can get some money. You can use that money to pay for some of the other third-party closing costs. So depending on what your situation is, you can always kind of look into those options and make a choice that works for you. With closing credits being back on the table, sellers saying, hey, here's $10,000, here's $15,000, do what you want with it. If that means you can take that ten dollars or $15,000 and buy down your rate, and you can move from five and a half to five, that's a huge win and could save you, you know, double to triple that over the first 10 to 15 years. So those are things that are kind of back into the equation, right? And then also what's back into the equation with a less competitive market is the first-time home buyer assistance programs. Right, right. So you're the lone guy. I don't know if you want to talk about that a nope. little bit. Nope, don't want to <laughs> talk about it at all. Um, I'm not even supposed to be talking about it. That's all good. So, yeah, as a buyer, you always want to put your best foot forward. As a seller, you always want to work the most qualified buyer that you can. There's a lot of misconceptions about what constitutes a good buyer. But at the end of the day, if a seller is going to be selling their house, they want to know what they're going to be selling it for. And they want to feel very confident that what they agree to is what ends up happening. And we have to remember that sellers are probably doing something after they sell their house, whether they're you know, buying another house or they're making some other major decision. They're using whatever proceeds they have on that house to do something else. So their expectation is that things happen the way they're supposed to. When you start introducing layers of complexities to the loan and things seem a little bit, I don't know, different, not normal, then fear sets in. And there's nothing wrong with down payment assistance programs. Uh, whether you as a buyer are borrowing 80% of the value of the house, 90% of the value of the house, or 100% of the value of the house, if you can get that loan, then it doesn't matter where the money comes from. It just matters that it closes. When things are competitive and sellers have options, they're always going to choose the option that they feel most comfortable with. And during that competitive time, they felt most comfortable with large down payments, cash buyers, most money, shortest time. No loan contingencies. No loan contingencies. <laughs> like, you name it. Like, they were going to go with the most secure, most beneficial decision that they could. And unfortunately, down payment assistance programs are like bottom of the barrel. VA buyers, bottom of the barrel. They, they think, oh, 0% down. That must mean that we've got a terrible buyer not a financially strong person. I don't want to deal with that person because what happens if the deal falls through? Then I can't do X, Y, and Z that I'm planning to do. So we're resetting expectations and sellers are coming back down to earth and saying, okay, you know what? If it closes, it closes. Beggars can't be choosers. It's still a very good market, but I don't have the luxury of choosing pick of the litter get 20 different buyers. I'm going to pick this one because this one looks great, feels great, and I feel great that this is going to close. The rest of you, forget it. So down payment, down payment assistance programs never went away, but they just weren't used in large numbers because sellers weren't accepting offers in high numbers from people that were using those. They're great tools, and uh, they're still available, and there's an opportunity for buyers who may not have 5 10%, 20% down to utilize those programs and finance a purchase that allows them to buy a house five years from now, who knows, you know, that could be a, a crazy investment where they, they didn't put anything down. They paid their mortgage and all of a sudden they've got 
50, 100, $150,000 worth of equity. So there's a sweet spot there, like you said, for somebody who needs to use one of those programs that always had it available, but just had a really tough time because sellers were like, nah. Yeah, so like I said, a very, very, very sweet, sweet. spot right now for yes. buyers who've been wanting to enter the market. And then it's not bad for sellers either. Prices aren't going $30,000 more than what they're listing them at, but they're still, like I said, even the ones that have to drop their prices, they're still very high prices and very high compared to what the sellers purchased the home for. Yes, yeah, like these, uh, this couple that I met with today, they bought their house three years ago for $740,000. And, you know, we could probably sell it today for close to 1.4. That's insane. That is crazy. That is insane. So, yeah, look, even if things reset a little bit and the market came down a little bit and they got 1.3 or 135 compared to their initial investment, that's insane. Yeah. Like, that's not supposed to happen. That's <laughs> not normal. It's great. Yeah. But, you know, if things have to roll back just a little bit, it's not a terrible, terrible thing. And one thing to keep in mind, too, is, you know, a lot of folks that we deal with, you know, some are moving out of state. They're moving into different markets and different markets behave differently. But a lot of folks are buying and selling in the same market. They're just up, you know, buying mm -hmm. up or downsizing or doing something, getting into a different area, different school system, closer to work. And most of these markets are moving together. So if you're looking to sell and the price drops a little bit, but you're looking to buy in the same market, chances are, they're kind of moving together and there's really no net change. It's just, it's up here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So overall, we, we're ending this podcast saying that it's an amazing time for buyers and sellers who are looking to make a move. Or like you said, if it's the right time for them and their family want to make a move. So the shift is actually very positive. I think so. It's not a crash. It's a shift and it's a positive shift for yeah. everybody. I mean, I think if we continued at the pace that we were, it's unsustainable anyways. Right. So it's it's good that we're shifting back to like this is normal. And like you said, yes, there's there's a sweet spot for buyers. There's still great opportunities for sellers. It doesn't matter, you know, where you're at or what you're looking to do. It all comes down to is it the right time for you. And that's that's where we come in. Right. As professionals, we can help you kind of figure out, like, is this the right time? Tell me what you're thinking about doing. Why are you thinking about doing this? What are the you know, the, the things that really matter most to you in this decision? And then you can just kind of talk it through. Yeah, that's where our workshops are very helpful, too. So yeah. if anyone wants details and wants to be walked through that, we have free buyer and seller workshops. No pressure to make a move, but right. simply just to help you figure it all out. Yeah. A consultation is way more than how much is my house worth? It's way more than what am I pre-qualified for? There's so many little things that go into figuring out why you should be doing something, why you should not be doing something, how you should be doing it. And that's, that's what we're here for. So. And that it results in your happiness because we can sell people houses all day, but if they're not happy in every way at the end, it was pointless. You know, we always say it during our workshops, right? It's like, look, we don't want you to buy a house and regret it. We don't, we don't want you to buy a house and then be eating top ramen every Friday night because yeah. you can't do life the way you want to or you could. Buying a house is great, but it should be, it should complement your life. It shouldn't drain you and like suck the life out of you. So Yeah, and any trusted realtors should totally be on board with that. There should be no pressure. That should be the ultimate goal for everybody. So Should be. <laughs> <laughs> should be. I don't know if it always is with every agent, unfortunately. So 
And I'm like, so I get a lot of clients that say like, I'm confused because the last person told me I had to sell right now. The last person told me I had to buy right now. I yeah. didn't want that house. I didn't want yeah. this. I'm like, that's weird. I would never want you to buy a house. I, I keep going back to the same conversation today, but we ended it with, well, this went a little bit different than I thought. I thought you were going to tell me, sell it, sell it, sell it. And you didn't say any of that. You just answered our questions. And that makes a whole lot of sense. Like the world isn't on fire. Yeah. The sky isn't falling. Like it's going to be okay. And it really just comes down to exactly what we've said a thousand times already. Is it the right time? Yeah. You know? Well, thank you so much for coming here and talking about the market shift with me. Maybe if it shifts again. I'll have you back. <laughs> I hope you have me back before then. No, so, I think you should come on. I didn't really talk about any of Ryan's skills, but no he, skills. <laughs> he has a lot of skills. He's a brainiac, first of all. Uh, what do I call you? A weird genius. A weird genius. <laughs> Thanks, Mar. <laughs> but one of this is how you introduced me to everybody. This is my broker of record. This is Ryan. He's a weird genius. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love him as a business partner. No, but one of your extreme specialties is contracts. And so I think that would be an awesome episode to do because I think most people don't even know how detailed the contract is. Super and detailed. It seems like depth. it gets way more in depth as, you know, as time goes on. I remember when we started, it was like six, seven, maybe eight pages. And what are we up to now? Like some obscene number, it's 16 pages. So as a buyer or a seller, you're signing a contract, you just, you're signing <laughs> It, uh, there's a lot to it. There's a lot there uh, that protects you or, or, you know, the other way around. So understanding how they work and how they can make, how you can make them work for you is pretty important. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a big decision by and selling a house. And it's fun. It's fun when you have someone like Ryan who knows it because you I have don't know the, about that. the upper hand. Well. <laughs> Might be the only person I've ever heard that said contracts are fun. <laughs> <laughs> they are fun. <laughs> <laughs> they're fun when you do them right they are yeah no it's honestly <laughs> it's it's comical when you're in contract and you know how you wrote the contract you know what was agreed upon and every once in a while the deal gets a little squirrely and you know buyer or seller wants to kind of push their weight around a little bit and the contract's there to kind of level the playing field like nope this is how it works this is our playbook this is our roadmap. As long as we have an understanding of what this contract means, then there shouldn't really be any issues. So it is fun when you know that <laughs> and then somebody's trying to pull a fast one on you and you can fall back on the contract. Say, no, don't work like that. Sorry. Yeah. Bye-bye. It's tricky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again for being here. You're welcome. We'll Thank you, you for having me. Soon. Awesome. Everyone gets to know you now. Sweet. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> Bye. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. And in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe and like. Hey, this is Michelle McClintock. Please check out my podcast on Million Dollar Listening with Mari Wines here at E3 Realty.